Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back. It's time for Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. You're with Mo Moten. He is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. I am Scott Goldbranson, your co-host, also writer editor at SportsNot.com. Make sure you follow Mo on X.com, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully and the show, SNB, today. Appreciate you guys being back with us. Of course, we're just a day and a half or so removed from the Raiders' last, and I should say, most recent loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. Of course, they were down 24-17 on Sunday. Thanks for being with us on the postgame show uh, now I bring Mo back in and we get to break this one down. And boy, um, you know, we, we don't want to overly be negative on the show because, Mo, we're really objective here. But it's hard. As I was telling Murph the other night, it's hard to tell people, hey, keep your head up. Uh, it's early in the season. Uh, but you look at what's been happening with the Raiders, one and three now. Very difficult to come back from one and three and be a playoff contender. Although, a lot of us didn't think the Raiders were going to be in that position anyway. But you go back to last year, Mo, and I'm going to keep using this number. 
The Raiders now one and six over their last seven. Of course, Josh McDaniels is now seven and fourteen in his second stint as a head coach, his first with the Raiders. And um, I just don't know what to say because I don't see certain things getting better. I see improvement in some areas. We will talk about their rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, at length in the second segment. But um, watching this game, again, a lot of self-inflicted wounds, Mr. Moten, uh, along with some boneheaded play. And again, it looks like, to me, a lack of fundamentals by this team. And some of that you have to look at coaching. Other, other It's on the players. They have to look at themselves, of course. But give me your impression after watching this game and your thoughts, because I know you're ready to unload. Well, first of all, it's basically kind of like a copy and paste from the Steelers game in a sense where the Raiders score early in the first quarter and they, the offense goes blank for two quarters and then they try to make a late rally and it's thwarted by a late interception which seals, which seals the game. I tweeted on Sunday night that, Scott, did you know that the Raiders have not scored a touchdown in the second or third quarter of a football game this season? Yes. And you know what's crazy? I knew that, uh, and I did not include it in my in my story up on sportsnot.com after the game. Remarkable. And and again, we can we're gonna talk about the defense today too, don't get me wrong, especially in the last segment. But it's complimentary football, but your offense, and this is what I hammered on, Mo, and I want you to go deep on this for me with your thoughts. Again, fifth highest paid offense against the cap in the NFL. Josh McDaniels, offensive genius days in, in, in New England. It continues to regress. The offensive line, which we got to talk about too, is regressed. This is not a good look for this organization. It's, an, it's a terrible look, but it starts at the top. I, I hate to go super big picture, but I, I remember tweeting out back when X was still Twitter. Mark Davis had a quote basically saying, got to be patient. You know, people can look at the film and and not know what's going on unless they're in-house in the locker room. But we can all watch the games and see it's not progressing any under your under the head coach and general manager that you hired. What as you said, I mean, Josh, and I said it last week. Josh McDaniels is now one has now lost twice as many games as he's won as the Raiders head coach. Right. Look, it, just I hate to do the comparison thing, but look at the Houston Texans. Right. They have a defensive minded head coach. They just they just mollywop the Steelers by like 30. They have a rookie quarterback and CJ Stroud. They have a young offensive coordinator who I believe has never been a play caller on the NFL level. Why is it that these other teams that are so-called rebuilding can show progress within the year, within the same year <laughs> that they have turnover? And it takes the Raiders two years to 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 not even score 20 points. Right. The Raiders have not scored more than 18 points in a football game, and they have arguably the best wide receiver. They have the rushing champion. They have a solid left tackle in Colt Miller, who had a rough day at the office on Sunday, but Ooh. overall solid left tackle. They you know, they got Max Crosby, who, who's a defensive player of the year candidate. They got Divine Diablo who's coming along. Nahab's didn't play on Sunday, but they have pieces. It's not like this is a team that has no talent on it. They have star players. They have a yeah. few star players, and and they have a you know a supporting cast is not great, but the Raiders should be at least showing progress at this point. I'm not asking for four, no, 
But to beat the Denver Broncos by one point, and you watch the Denver Broncos defense give up 70 to, to the Dolphins, and they made Justin Fields look like, I don't know, the next coming of the next great quarterback. <laughs> Justin Fields put up career numbers against the Broncos defense, and the Raiders can only muster up 17 points with the quarterback that Josh McDaniels handpicked. Now, that quarterback wasn't playing, as you mentioned on Sunday, but still, this is a Chargers team, as I said, that was giving up the most passing yards in the league going into Sunday's games. Yeah. And you and you can't you can't move the ball with any consistency. Yeah, I know Devontae Adams got nicked up. I know he was hurt. Whatever. Jacoby Myers is still in the field. We still can't get Michael Mayer involved in the offense. Hunter Renfro is still basically an afterthought, which I told fans Hunter Renfro would be an afterthought. But it was his time to kind of step up with, with Devontae Adams being nicked up a part of the game and, and still no no progress on that end. So you yeah. got an offensive-minded head coach who's not scoring enough points and not using his weapons to the best of his ability, not optimizing his talent. It's a big problem there in the starts. Mark Davis has to come down on, on something. And, and you bring up the best point because, again, it's not about just being negative here because of a loss or a couple losses. You see other organizations – you see other organizations make progress. Even, I mean, Murph brought up Dan Campbell and the Lions and how they've progressed over the years. Now, I know Josh McDaniels only in his second year, uh, but it does not get better. I mean, look, you don't have enough talent. Okay, you overcome that and you say, but is the talent getting better? Is the talent that you do have, do you see progress do you see fundamentally sound football? You can be an average football player and play fundamentally sound football. When you look at the Raiders, you got guys that are bona fide starters in this league and should be who don't have fundamentals down yet. You don't have a team that doesn't make stupid, boneheaded penalties. And save me the crap about bad calls. There are always bad calls in every game. It's going to happen. And those of you who want to believe it happens more to the Raiders, that's fine too. But the Jerry Tillery situation, you know, ridiculous. It's the second boneheaded play he's had in as many years that really cost this team a lot. I think that changed the momentum in the game. But nonetheless, you look at it, and that's your point, Mo, about why are other organizations able to turn things around? Well, you used Houston as an example. And I'm fanboying a little bit on C.J. Stroud, absolutely, because, you know, when we talked about the Raiders possibly moving up to get him— you look at the story, uh, and I did an interview with Brooks Cabina, who covers them down in Houston uh, for Sports Knot, and he talked about, and he did another story this past week about C.J. Stroud and his leadership ability, and the reason why, not only is he doing well on the field for a rookie, he still hasn't thrown an interception, by the way, through four games, but he's got the veterans on his side. He takes them out to dinner. He spends time with them, and you might think, well, so what, he takes them out to dinner? No, he's showing leadership. What I see in the Raider organization, Mr. Moten, is the fact that there is a lack of leadership at a lot of different levels here. And that is filtering down. You're absolutely 100% correct. I don't know how you turn this around. I thought the Charger game was an opportunity for this team top to bottom to show some leadership, to do something different, to say, hey, you know what? No, we do have this going in the right direction by going on the road with a rookie quarterback and winning the ball game, which they could have technically done, but they just don't seem to put it together. And you're right to go to Mark Davis because at this point, who do you, who's going to answer for it? You're making the hires. You're deciding to do what you do. And it's just not netting anything of a positive traction that fans or anyone else in the media who, who observe the league constantly can find. 
I just haven't heard the urgency out of Mark Davis to to for this team to compete and win now. I, I now I get he's not gonna throw his head coach under the bus. But I, I think it, it at this point you gotta apply some type of pressure and say, look, we gotta turn it around and we're gonna have to make some changes. He doesn't have to say we're gonna fire our head coach or our general manager. He had he should come out and say, look, you know, last season we blew five double digit second half leads. Okay, I get it. We had to kind of turn over the roster from the previous regime. But now here we are at one and three with a one point win over the Denver Broncos is the only victory. And the Denver Broncos defense is we're finding out week by week is awful. (laughs) You got it. It just something has to change. Obviously, It, it shouldn't take a month for you in your second year to get the offense going against bad defenses. They've played Denver. They've played. They played the Chargers on Sunday. The Steelers defense, while it has a pass rush, was struggling. You know, so I, yeah. I, 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 I hate to come on here and just basically give this the same spiel to our audience because I listened to Josh Jacobs on Sunday. I listened to Devontae Adams on Sunday, and there's nothing else they can really say other than, yeah, it comes down to five to six plays in the game, and if you don't execute those plays properly, you're going to lose the football game. But how many times have we said that? And I said this on X on Sunday. You can copy and paste these interviews from these losses, these last three losses, and you'll hear the exact same thing you heard last year. Right. And that's a troubling sign because that's a sign that there's no progress. There's no progress. Yeah. And I mean, you talked about the offense, too. Uh, Three of the last nine games. Okay. Only three of the last nine games have they scored more than 18 points. Three of the last nine. Now, you know, it goes back to last year, different quarterback. Pretty much the same offense, though, as far as all the other skilled positions, okay? So you look at that, and I you talk about a lack of progress. You're offensively not doing anything. Then I know the Dolphins lost yesterday, but Evan and I on the NFL Playbook Pod had Chris Perkins from the Dolphins talking about the innovation you see from Mike McDaniel. Uh, and now they ran into a juggernaut in Buffalo, which you understand. But at the same time, you're not seeing anything. I saw a couple looks on Sunday, Mo, where, where the, the Raiders with Aiden O'Connell, I thought, played a little differently than they did with Jimmy Garoppolo. Some misdirections, some some plays, some quick fake handoffs or quick fake throws to a handoff, play action type stuff. But overall, you're just not seeing anything that makes you think this guy is is scheming differently he's doing something and progressing the offense and again we didn't see any tight end play on sunday we didn't see hunter renfro of course hunter renfro gets the first the first target drops it came back and had a nice catch later in the game but he's so rarely used and i just don't understand decision making and i saw somebody yesterday who said that it doesn't appear that Josh McDaniels is very different from the guy who was in Denver. Now, the off-the-field stuff, the locker room stuff, from all the indications we have, not lost the locker room yet, but it's not trending in the right direction. I'll put it that way. But fundamentally, mentally, this team is a mess. It just is. I'm not saying there isn't good play happening, but you're right. It has to go all the way to the top, but it has to start with the coach on the field, and you just don't feel confident when they take the field outside of those first scripted drives that they can get anything done. 
I, I don't understand how you have year two in the same system with Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and all of these playmakers around him. You brought in Jacoby Myers, Hunter Ruffo is a holdover. And you can only score one touchdown in the first quarter. And then, as I tweeted, you go into the twilight zone for the second and third quarters. Right. And then you reemerge in the fourth quarter when you're down two to three scores and try to make a late rally, and it's too late. Yeah. Like, you can't play football like that. How are no. you going to win football games when you dig yourself an early hole because the offense can't score or the defense can't get off the field? Now, the defense woke up a lot in the second half on Sunday and, and did a pretty good job, in my opinion. But And we'll talk about Aiden O'Connell's play, but at the end of the day, it comes down to Josh McDaniels. You know, what are you doing to, to you know, move this offense along and get other guys involved? Why, yeah. why is it that players that you brought in, drafted and or signed, are not being utilized? This is supposed to be an offensive play caller who was known for being, you know, a bright mind that, that teams wanted to, to run, their, run their football team and run their offensive score points. <laughs> now you bring him out of that New England tree and you, and you give him his own, you know, vision. And the vision doesn't look like anything two years in. We're we're a year and a quarter in. We're, we're you can't say it's still early. It's still early. We can't even use no. that line now because we're done with the first quarter of the season. And there's you just you have no hope or progress for this offense. And it's like, does the defense have have to score points? Does the defense have to save the game for the Raiders? Because that's unheard of for the past two decades. And if you're depending on the defense to hold teams to ten points a game. You're going to lose a lot of football games and you're going to wind up with a top five pick in the draft in 2024. Right. And I know some of the folks out there would like that because they want Caleb Williams. It's not going to be there. I don't think the Raiders are going to be the worst team, or maybe I'm wrong, in the NFL. And nobody's trading out of the number one spot when you have Williams. Just knocking. Okay, Drake, May, whatever. Just saying, you know, that's not realistic. What I do believe is the pressure is now on Mark Davis because you know, Mo, you and I both, very level-headed. We're never out here calling for people to get fired. That's not what we do. But I will tell you this. You can't let it get to the point where the locker room is lost because that's bad for the organization. The organization then to players uh, will appear to not care about what's happening. And those players, like Devontae Adams, if they want to get out, they will ask to get out if they have any leverage. Now, most of them don't. But still, you don't want it to get to the point where it's so rotten that you have to deal with that issue, too. So I think Mark Davis is on the clock here. There has to be some conversation, and I assume there's going to be. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume there is, between GM and coach and owner and GM and coach to say, this is unacceptable. We are doing the same things. It's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and thinking it's going to change. It's not changing. Something has to happen. Mo, before we go to this first break, I want to do this real quick. And if it takes us time, it takes us time. The offensive line's regression to me is remarkable. Now, they struggled early part of last year when they were not a cohesive unit and they were kind of learning to play with each other. With the exception of Greg Van Roten at the right guard, it's pretty much guys that were around last year and played a lot last year. What do you make of this? Now, Khalil Mack had one of the most dominating <laughs> defensive performance I've ever seen on Sunday. It was remarkable to watch him. Still, though, Colton Miller got completely embarrassed, as did Dylan Parham, as did Jermaine Illuminor, as did Van Roten. When you look at that offensive line, how could they regress so much in the running game, 
Now, I get it. You're playing good defenses. But how could they regress so much in such a, a short amount of time? That's one of the questions I want to ask. Nobody's asked a question at a press conference, but I would if I was there. I don't know how that question doesn't get asked at a press conference. Hey, Josh, what's going on with your offensive line? Why, why yeah. are they getting their lunch eaten for the past two weeks? I understand you're going against T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Khalil Mack, but, you know, Joey Bosa wasn't on the field on Sunday. And up until week, up until that Steelers game, the offensive line had been pass blocking pretty well. You played an aggressive yes. Bills defense, and, and you didn't give up any sacks against the Bills. You see what that defense did against the Miami Dolphins, slowed them down. Why all of a sudden these last two weeks is your offensive line re- regressing? And you asked me the question, I honestly, Scott, and to the people listening to this podcast and show, I can't even tell you. Right. I, I can't even tell. The guys are just lo- they're just losing their battles one on one. That's it. And and you and you they're just losing one on one. They're just losing it in the trenches. And we saw it with Colt Miller. We saw it with Jermaine Illuminar on Sunday. Khalil Mack. My my only thing is, and I'm not taking any heat off of the offensive line. But if you see Khalil Mack wrecking the football game, give your offensive lineman help. Throw another offensive lineman out there. Go max protection. You know, give him a chip, something. Give give that offensive lineman some help because obviously he can't handle Khalil Mack. To me, that's on Josh McDaniels. At that well, point, it, after the first, really quick, sir, after yeah. the first two or three sacks, I'm giving that guy a lot of help. Well, and that's what I wondered. In the postgame preference, uh, preference, press conference, McDaniels was asked about it. And he said, well, we tried a bunch of stuff. We tried to chip him. We tried to hit him in the ribs. We tried to do this and, and just couldn't stop. And it's like, so it's a remarkable thing to me. And, and he just said, basically, we got beat. Now, there was it wasn't excuses, but it's like, you got to do something. I mean, once the guy had three sacks, you'd think they would do something different. Now, again, he was possessed against the Raiders on Sunday. And I get it. Again, amazing performance. But again, no adjustment. In fact, the only, if you watched when Corey and I were doing the, the, the game stream, if you watched, and every time the Raiders made a significant gain, it was when he was off the field. <laughs> Literally. And so not only did he get sick, and that's what I said in my story, not only did he get six sacks, Mo, but he was so disruptive in other ways on other downs, he still impacted plays that he wasn't necessarily in on the tackle or any of that. He, that's how, and, and still they could not figure out a way, to your point, go to a jumbo set, come in, do something different. It's like, dude is killing you, and you're just letting it happen and say, oh, we'll try this. Oh, we'll try this. It was it was a bad look. Bad look. The other thing they could have done, if you know Kalamak is being aggressive at the last scrimmage, you can throw some misdirections at him, use his aggressiveness against him. Correct. So that then he has to think about, oh, is this a pass or a run? There, there are just so many things that an offensive coordinator or offensive play caller can do, and I just feel like there's no way you let one guy wreck the football game. You know, coming into that game, he had zero sacks. Zero. Zero. Then he explodes against the Raiders. And now he leads the league. <laughs> Remarkable stuff. By the way, and we'll get into it when we get to the O'Connell. I'll just hold on to my thought there. All right, we're going to take a break here on Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, do so wherever you get your audio. Make sure you turn on the auto download. That way, every time we have a new episode, it comes right to your device and you don't even have to worry about it. Mo and I, Mo and I just waiting for you there in your phone or wherever you listen to us. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about Aiden O'Connell. In the world of extremes, 
People were talking about how well he did or people were talking about how terrible he was and how he needs to be cut. Yes, of course, that's how it is out there on those streets. We'll talk about that when we come back here on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Welcome back. We are here, Silver and Black, today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on the air, by the way, on The Bet on the radio in Las Vegas, Nevada. So if you are out there and you like to listen to us, we are on Saturday evening at 6 p.m. Now that the the baseball season is over, we'd get disrupted by baseball occasionally, but now 6 p.m. so you can get ready for Sunday's action by listening to the show on The Bet on Saturday night. Uh, I'm Scott Cobranson, your host, joined by my co-host... Mr. Mo Moten, and we are talking Raiders, and we're getting into the Aiden O'Connell debut now um, as we move forward here in the second segment of the show, and uh, I'm going to let you go on this one first because for the first time in a long time, Raider Nation was completely in agreement on what Josh McDaniel should do with Jimmy G out with the concussion. It was start the kid, right? It was start the Irish cannon, so he gets the start. Mixed results, but Mo, tell me what you saw from Aiden O'Connell. He didn't have a lot of time in that pocket, uh, but give me your good and your bad, uh, and tell me if your view of him has changed, or if you've seen enough of him to say, you know what, he's worth development, or is it still too early? I'll start off by saying he's worth seeing more of, and I think, and I there was a quote. I know Josh McDaniels is critical of Aiden O'Connell in the post-game press conference, and I quote tweeting, I said, I hope this doesn't mean that they're going to give up on his development because first, the bad news, yes, there were turnovers. I believe Aiden O'Connell fumbled three times and lost two fumbles, and then he threw that late interception on man-to-man coverage when Asante Samuel peeled off, I believe it was Devontae Adams, and picked the ball off. He made mistakes. 
But what I will say is the good news is he stuck with it. And there were flashes of what we saw in the preseason when he got rolling late in the second half. I believe late uh, late in the third quarter going into the fourth quarter, the Raiders offense woke up and it was partially because Aiden O'Connell got going. It was partially because Josh Jacobs got going as well. Uh, Josh Jacobs had, I believe, eight catches. And I like the, I like the bounce back that I saw at out of Aiden O'Connell. I also like the fact that the Chargers defenders had to respect the deep ball because with Jimmy, in my opinion, when Jimmy Garoppolo is in the game, you're not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo beating you over the top. With Aiden O'Connell, your safeties have to be on alert because he will take a shot downfield. Now, a lot of his passes downfield weren't accurate. He threw into a lot of double and triple coverage. Yes. But at least the Chargers have to respect the deep ball knowing that we can't stack the box against Josh Jacobs because Aiden O'Connell might throw to Devontae Adams 20, 30 yards downfield. So I, I think part of that is, and if you can rewind the, the, the tape of this show, one of the cons that I had with Aiden O'Connell was, yes, he will push the ball downfield, but he's not the most accurate downfield thrower. But the other side of that is, if you have Trey Tucker on the field, who's a speedster, <laughs> I didn't see him yesterday, and no, if you have Devontae Adams on the field, there is the threat of, you know, you can get some big plays out of your offense, and that's the spark that the Raiders need. And I think I like to see that because, again, it adds another variable, adds another wrinkle to that offense that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't giving them. So I think he's worth, you know, more starts. But we all know that Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, you know, for the Packers game. He's going to start because Josh Fields is always critical saying the number one thing is, and I know this, and if you watch football long enough, you know this is the fastest way to get yourself taken off the field is to turn the ball over. And Aiden O'Connell had multiple turnovers on Sunday. Yeah, and and I I heard a lot of people in the conversation about that about well O'Connell you can't and and you're right I thought I thought Josh McDaniels the way he said it at the press conference about and being critical of 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 O'Connell um, I thought it showed an insight into the personality of the guy and some of the stuff we heard about from Denver because there's a way in my view to couch that to say hey listen. Number one, we didn't protect him back there, and so it put him in a position where he he didn't make the best decisions. He lost the football. You know, there's a way to do it where you build somebody up and you talk about what they learn from the situation. But that's that's apart from what happened because I, I think you're right. You can't turn the ball over. Now, the interception at the end of the game, we'll get into that in a second because there's a play calling question there. But but the mm-hmm. fumbles, the first fumble that closely resembled the tuck rule game by the way um and then the second the second fumble i i defended him because i was keeping tracks track excuse me he got hit on the blind side i don't care if you're a veteran quarterback you get hit on the blind side now maybe a wily veteran tucks the ball as he starts to feel the pressure behind him and hit on his back but it happens quickly you're a rookie you understand it but i do think that especially when you saw that first drive which by the way i didn't know this until i was doing the story after the game Aiden O'Connell's first touchdown was a rushing touchdown. It's the first time in Raiders history that a, a Raiders rookie quarterback got their first touchdown by rushing the ball. So there you go. A little bit of trivia for you. But that first drive, I was saying to Corey during the game, look, I li- the pacing was good. I liked the p- It was much more up, up, up speed, upbeat mm-hmm. on the pacing of the offense. They did a little bit, like I talked about earlier, a little misdirection, a little couple things that were different that I didn't see when Garoppolo was under center. They also put O'Connell under center right away. It wasn't like they were starting him in the shotgun and and kind of letting him have more time and easing him off. Of course, had they known how bad the offensive line would play, maybe that would have been a better strategy. But the one thing I didn't see, and I want to get your comment on this, and maybe I'm wrong. You tell me if I am. They didn't seem to build in 
any kind of building blocks for him, meaning some short passes, some quick passes, stuff over the middle. Mo, why doesn't this team use the middle of the field like ever? I mean, yeah, a couple times a game. But you have these two tight ends, Austin Hooper, Michael Mayer, who you drafted in the second round, and you don't use them. And I don't understand. because So I think with Aiden O'Connell, to your point, got to see more of them. I think he's got the ability to play in the NFL. We'll have to see with more of a sample size. But I just don't get what the team is doing offensively, and I don't think that helped him at all yesterday. I don't understand why you go up to draft Michael Mayer and you're just not going to use him. Right. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest mysteries to me. You you drafted two offensive skill players in the second and third rounds in Michael Mayer and Trey Tucker, and you don't even use them. You kept Hunter Renfro on a fully guaranteed contract, and you don't even use them. Now, Aiden O'Connell did check down a number of times to Joshua Daniels, so he had his, his safety, blanket, safety blanket in a sense. But I – look, people want to – say play calling was the major issue i'll say number one if you're a quarterback and you know that you're getting hammered aiden o'connell took seven sacks you have to have your head on the swivel and know like okay i gotta protect the football that that's on aiden o'connell the other thing is if you're if you're an offensive play calling you see your quarterback getting hammered to your to your words you got to help him out and you have to call the game I want to say reactionary, but you have to call the game based on the flow of it. What's happening with my offensive line? How well is my offensive line playing? It's not playing very well. In fact, it's awful. Let me help my rookie quarterback. And I'm sure we'll get to the play call uh, you know, that that led to an interception. And a lot of people don't want to blame Aiden on that. And he he took, you know, as as a mature rookie, he took ownership. He said, you know, we ran that look at practice and I have to execute better. And he's he's right about that. He's right. But the Absolutely. but the other side of that is. The Raiders were three yards from the goal line. It's first down. It's first and goal. You're at the Chargers' three-yard line. Run the football. <laughs> Hand it off to Josh Jacobs. He, I under, you want to be aggressive? I, I, this is my thing with Josh McDaniels. I don't, I don't think he understands when to be aggressive and when to not be aggressive. Great we, point. We criticized him last point. week. We criticized him last week for not being aggressive enough and kicking that field goal down eight, right? Now he's at the three-yard line, the three-yard line, and right. Josh Jacobs had just started to get rolling a little bit. I know he only averaged three point four yards per carry, but if you remember, believe the drive before he scored a touchdown after Josh McDaniels did not challenge the touchdown that was for Devontae don't, Adams. Don't get me started. Look, I look, I'm I I gamble a little bit. I had Devontae <laughs> Adams for the end of time TD, right? Yeah, and I'm thinking. You know, that's they replayed it. It's a touchdown. I don't understand why the Raiders were hurrying to the offensive line to run a play. I understand I time is of the essence because you're down, but at that point, if you, if there's even a possibility that that's a score, yeah. you take a look at it. Who who's helping Josh McDaniels look at these plays from above, saying you, you got to challenge that? But that's besides the point. But go back to my play on that on that run on that should have been run. That was a pass for Aiden O'Connell. It's first and goal. You're at the three year line. Run the football. Get it, at worst, you get closer. You come within a, a yard or two, and you run another play. But you don't throw it aggressively on first down when you're in a three yard line. And Mo, it's it's first down, and you have almost three minutes left in the game, right? To something exactly. So so what are you what are you in a hurry for? Number one, why are you getting aggressive? It's not like it's third down and you've been stuffed on two straight runs. Okay, again. <sighs> 
this Chargers defense, which was awful against the run, and by the way, susceptible to long passes and passing, which the Raiders couldn't take advantage of either. And so you look at that, and again, I go back to what we talked a lot about last year. Josh McDaniels is an awful game manager, not yes. only from a play calling perspective, <laughs> yes. but awful game manager. To your point about the Devontae, I was crazy with the Devontae Adams thing because I'm like, how do you not have a coach buzzing you in your ear saying, coach, coach, a touchdown, touchdown. You got to you got to throw the flag, got to throw the flag. No, doesn't do it. Now, they scored the touchdown. Had they not scored that touchdown, I was almost ready to say that was a fireball offense. Because <laughs> honestly, I mean, am I wrong? Because it was no. brutal. And it's like, wait a minute. I don't know football as good as Josh McDaniels, clearly, right? He's coached a long time. But it's bad management. He also mismanaged the clock the entire second half. They're down by two scores. And they're coming up to the line like they're on the on the uh, on the beach in Cancun or something. It's like, where is the urgency, Mo? They're, hey, you're seven and 14, dude. Where's your urgency to win? Where's your urgency to tell your team this crap can't happen anymore? And and then you throw a rookie quarterback into it. And then after the game, it's his fault for not protecting the ball. Again, he made a lot of mistakes. No question. I'm not. I'm not making excuses for the quarterback because he deserves the criticisms. But the management of the game, to your point, especially at the end of the game offensively, is beyond, I'm going back to my term from last year, it's coaching malpractice. And it continues to the point we made in the first segment, which is you're getting the same result 21 games in. Why would you think it's going to change? Then you throw a quarter, and this is where I worry because – you have a young quarterback, and I don't know what Aiden O'Connell can be. We don't have enough yet. We don't understand yet enough. I want to see more and see what he can do because he seems like he has the makeup to be a quarterback in the NFL and some of the talent, clearly. But I don't know if this this team – I mean, what's Josh McDaniels going to do to develop this kid? I don't know. And so that's what concerns me about his future development. Of course, 24, 39, 238 yards, the one interception. He actually had uh, – Almost, well, he had 70 yards more passing than Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert didn't have to pass that much because they always had the ball on the Raiders' side of the field. But, um, but you know, overall, okay performance. But I just think that it's an example of, yes, they get credit for drafting the kid, but I just hope he doesn't get run into the ground because uh, this coach doesn't know how to manage the team. The biggest indictment on Josh McDaniels is not only his management of the game, but the management of his personnel. Let's go back to last year. Mm. Remember what I was saying last year? He didn't figure out until midway through the season that, yeah, maybe if you hand the ball to Josh Jacobs 20 times, you win some football games. <laughs> it took him a month to figure that out, right? It's taken him now a month to figure out how to use the weapons that he's brought in and Trey Tucker, Michael Mayer. It, he, doesn't, he still doesn't know how to use Hunter Renfro. He doesn't know when to kick it or when to go for it. He doesn't know when to run the ball or when to pass the ball, put his rookie quarterback in position to to score points. So his management is completely out of whack. He doesn't optimize the talent that he has, and he doesn't necessarily put his his quarterbacks in the best position to succeed. And and we saw that with Aiden O'Connell again. I went full Richard Sherman last night, I mean on Sunday night. And I'm thinking, okay, first and three, Josh Jacobs just scored a touchdown on the previous drive when it should have been a Devontae Adams touchdown anyway. But 
Josh Jacobs just got into the end zone. Okay, run the ball here. Maybe you score on a, on a run, a handoff. If not, maybe you get a little bit closer. Maybe you can get run another QB sneak, mm-hmm. and Aiden O'Connell can get another rushing touchdown. He calls a pass play, has his rookie quarterback who's been rattled throughout the game, been making mistakes. As I said, while he wasn't interception, intercepted before that, he had some throws that oh, should yeah. have been intercepted. Yes. So knowing this and knowing the offensive line, the way it's playing, just run the football. Yeah. Just run the football. See what happens if you run the football. Now, roll out to the right, man-to-man coverage. Aino Khan makes a mistake. To, to his credit, he owned it. Says, I have to make a better read. But to me, you you run the ball to take him out of that situation so he doesn't have to make that decision. Make the decision for him. He's a rookie quarterback making his debut after all. We know that. Yeah. So yeah, it's just – and mis- it, mismanagement all around you. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Mo the, managing and, and knowing it's like the game awareness. You, I think we all have, and maybe you do as well. We all have a friend who's a good friend, but they always lack that awareness. Like they're, it's always <laughs> like they can't read the room and they seem to say something and you're like, dude, what? You know, good people, good friends, but some people lack this awareness. And that's what I see Josh McDaniels. I see him in a game, to your point, it's such a great point, Mo, about Aiden O'Connell. Not making excuses for his mistakes, but instead saying, hey, if I put my employee or my child or my wife or husband or whatever, I put them in a situation where I know it's not good, that they're going to struggle, that's on me, right? I'm putting them in the situation. If I ask somebody who doesn't know how to cook to go in the kitchen and whip up some breakfast, my results probably aren't going to come back. It's not against that person. They're learning. They might want to learn. But if you say, no, I need you to do it now, you're putting them in an unfair situation. So I do think that a lot of this is on the coach. I do think, going back to your original point in the last segment, this goes to the top. This organization, and look, Dave Ziegler's got a pass, but I don't know because, look, if I'm him, I'm telling my coach, Coach, I got you these guys. You're not – Trey Tucker, I saw on three plays yesterday, was never targeted. And that was with Devontae Adams out of the game with the injury before he came back, by the way. So I see that, and I see nothing happening. So you have to look to the people who are making the decisions because they're not making very good ones. Mo, before we go to the break, anything else on this subject? The one thing, really quick, the one yeah. thing I wanted to hear that I didn't hear that Josh McDaniels in that press conference while he was criticizing Aiden O'Connell was he could have just said, look, I could have made, while Aiden O'Connell has to read that a lot better against man-to-man coverage, I could have made a better play call. Because I hear head coaches and play callers do that all the time where they say, yeah, the player made a mistake, but I could have put him in a better position. I could have made a better play call there. And I didn't hear that from Josh McDaniels. It was no. like, well, Aiden Never- O'Connell made a mistake. You never do, Mo. He, yes, he will get up there and 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 do what I see some players do all the time, which is just say, yeah, I got to do better. But that's a generic, I got to do better. It doesn't really mean it. You're saying it because you want to give the media what you think they want or what you think people want you to say. But you're right. There's a meaning behind it when you say, hey, listen, yeah, he needs to take care of the ball. Not a good read. He should have known right. we practice it. But at the same time, thinking back on it, I probably should have put him in a different position, especially right. on first down. I, I, that's all I wanted to hear from him. And he didn't even, not one iota of, of responsibility on that one. Tells you a lot. Okay, we're going to take a break before we come back for the final segment. We're going to talk a little about the defense, what we saw there, because I saw some improvement. So we're going to try to give you some positive nuggets here, too, to get you through uh, to, to next Monday. Of course, you have an extra day 
Raiders and the Packers on Monday Night Football. So we'll do that when we come back here. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast with Mo and Scott. We're coming back right after these words. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back home stretch here on silver and black today the tuesday edition do us a favor if you don't already subscribe to the podcast please do so wherever you get your audio just look for silver and black today hit subscribe and put on the auto download if you're watching us on youtube Thanks for the great chat, by the way, on Sunday night after the game, but also do us a favor, subscribe and hit the notifications bell there so that you can keep track and know whenever we have a new video up. Mo, the defense, uh, I thought, man, they really set a nice tone to start this game against the Chargers. John Jenkins at, at the beginning all over the place. Malcolm Kuntz, a guy you've talked a lot about over this last several weeks, really seems to have found kind of his game they they couldn't finish a lot you know we had some issues max crosby of course with two sacks uh and and did what max crosby does every game but with the rest that interior line we needed to see more out of them against this chargers team who didn't frankly have their best running back austin eckler out for the third week in a row missing their starting center doesn't matter you play who's in front of you the raiders front there i saw a little more out of them uh, they need to finish. As I said, there were f- maybe four close plays where there should have been sacks. Malcolm Kuntz 
one time uh, went in and um, and had Justin Herbert, but didn't wrap him up a couple times, actually, not just Kuntz, but also Di- Divine Diablo, who had a nice game at linebacker. But I, I started to see a little bit of spark there. Again, nothing to write home about or to write a story about, but it seems as though there was a little more energy, a little more go get them in that defensive front, especially on the interior. Yeah, big shout out to Malcolm Kuntz. I said in the last show that one of the three things that I wanted to see more of, what does Mo want to see more of, and then sports not column in that that I wrote last week was Malcolm Kuntz, you know, getting more snaps as I, I know Ty Wilson, not making much of an impact, but I thought Malcolm Kuntz started to come along. He was on, he was, he had the cover photo on that story. And I felt like he is still developing into a, a decent pass rusher opposite Max Crosby. So he stood out to me. Definitely. You mentioned um, John Jenkins, John Jenkins. You mentioned a lot of guys up front. It was good to see Nesta J. Severo, although he only had one tackle finally get on the field because he didn't yeah. play a snap you know, until that point against the Chargers game in the Chargers game. So I, I think with the defense, and I said this early in the offseason, I said the Raiders defense, I have a feeling that the front seven specifically is going to come along in the second half of the season. Once the rookies get their mm-hmm. feet under them, once the new guys get, you know, get used to and familiar with Pat- Patrick Graham's system, I felt like the defense, specifically the front of it, would start to come along and show signs of, of life. Now, I didn't anticipate Chandler Jones being released, but, you know, for, for what's going on with that defensive line, I, I think Malcolm Kuntz coming along is a big part of the improvement that could happen for that for that group going forward because you'd need to put pressure on the pass on the Raiders up until, you know, they had some moments. And Justin Herbert didn't have a great day. As you mentioned early in the show, career low in passing yards and, and threw a pick. So, you know, there's some progress there. Trayvon Merrick had an interception that he would usually drop. So there's there are some grains that there's some grains of hope there. But, you know, continuity and you have to start a little early. I will say early in the game, that defense was getting gashed early with some big plays and they yes. finally got it together. Yeah, they were giving up that, especially that first charger drive. I think through the first yep. two drives, yep. they were giving up an average of nine yards per play. You can't win in the NFL giving up nine yards per play. You just can't. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of battened down the hatches and got better there. Defensive backs, of course, they were without Nate Hobbs and it showed. Uh, we saw Jacorian Bennett struggle again in this one. I'm not giving up on the kid, but man, he he had some some rough moments. Uh, Marcus Peters, the Wiley veteran over there too. I forgot, as I told you before we went on the air, I forgot how poorly Marcus Peters tackles. It's all arm tackles. <laughs> and boy, the, the, the Chargers, I got to look up the stat maybe before the next show. The amount of yards after the catch yesterday or after the first hit was terrible. And this is where I go back to the fundamentals and coaching on both sides of the ball, which is if you're not tackling correctly, and you see it a lot in football, even college football. Um, my Notre Dame Fighting Irish are probably the worst tackling team in the country on defense. But if you look at that in the NFL and you look at the, the Raiders yesterday, there were so many times the Chargers got the ball. You cannot arm tackle Justin Herbert in the backfield. He's a big dude. Like it's not it's not like you're trying to tackle uh Baker Mayfield, okay? You're not going to bring him down by throwing him down by his, his his shoulder pads. He's too big of a guy. We saw that. We saw it in the defensive backfield. We saw receivers. We saw uh, running backs that and, and the Raiders' defense trying to tackle them up high. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about those fundamentals and discipline. Um, and so, so, yes, I agree with you. Defensive front, good to see a little spark. If they continue along this line, it'd be great to see uh, what they can do to help this 
team, although if you can't score, you're not going to win many games. So we'll see. What else did you see on this defense beside Koontz? I thought Divine Diablo, again, progressing. Is he all the way there yet? No. But he's made some nice plays uh, and and almost had a sack. Uh, he kind of bumped chests with Justin Herbert, who then escaped. But um, very interesting stuff there. The, the linebacker unit, uh, you see its deficiencies when it, when it's when it's overmatched. But uh, but overall, I think I mean, look, remember, they kept the Chargers scoreless in the second half, Mo. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's let's not forget that they shut out the Chargers in the second half of that football game. So there is some progress there. Now, I know he gave up the last play in the game, which is kind of controversial because there was a push off, in my opinion. But I won't cry about ref calls. Mm-hmm. But I think Jacorian Bennett had a pretty decent outing. I had to look at the you know the game the, the game film again, I, but I felt like again as the game went on, he played a lot better. Now people are gonna say, yeah, he gave up that last play to Joshua Palmer, but based on the way things were called, again, I'm not crying about referees, but there were some inconsistencies. Sure. If you remember, Jacoby Myers was called for pass interference. He basically just extended his arm. Got called for that. Keenan Allen threw down Amik Robertson, didn't get called for that. You saw the you saw the push off with Joshua Palmer on Jacorian Ben on that last play, and that wasn't called. I don't have a problem with ref calls that they're consistent. If you're not gonna call ticky tack calls, don't call ticky tack calls. But to call a ticky tack call on Jacoby Myers and not call it late in the game, questionable. <laughs> but I will say that outside of that big play, you know, I, I think Jacorian Bennett is starting to come along. I, I'll give him some, you know, some people may want to bench him because he was awful in coverage in the first two, three weeks, but first two weeks. But I, I think he's starting to see the light bulb was starting to come on, go on for him. And I think he's going to be a solid starter by the end of the year. I do, too. I mean, look, you don't expect a rookie coming out there. Uh, especially where he's drafted, and and just light it up right away. He's going to have some adjustment. I mean, you're four games yeah. in, right? And there were a couple of times he didn't have the help. He was supposed to have help over there too. So, so you understand that. And and like I said, I I'm not giving up on the guy. I think he's going to be a very good cornerback in this league. It's just going to take a little bit of time for him to develop. Um, by the way, you talked about the inconsistencies with the call and Jacoby Myers. Absolutely, hundred percent correct. And this is where the NFL. They don't care to do anything about officiating inconsistencies. They really don't. I mean, you look at, I don't, Mo, I'm sure you watch since you're in New York, you watch the Jets Chiefs game on Sunday night. Holy moly, that last big scramble by uh, Patrick Mahomes, literally three offensive linemen for more than four or five seconds were absolutely hugging and holding the defensive line of the Jets, which is why he was able to run so free. And then the pass interference call, which, of course, Robert Sala went nuts a couple times. He got a penalty towards the end of the game when it was pretty much over. Uh, that was uh, called on the Jets as well. And and it's hard. Look, I'm not into all these people who want to tell me that the actual NFL is scripted like WWE or anything like that. But mm-hmm. when you see that, you start to think, boy, yeah, they want Patrick Mahomes to do well. Or, boy, they want Justin Herbert to do well. Now, I don't know that this is intentional. I'm just saying that it leaves open the question because of the plays like Jacoby Myers, because later in the game, there were two calls on the Raiders that were very, very similar. It's like, hey, if you're going to let the guys play, cool. Let them be aggressive. Let them hand check a little bit, even though it's supposed to be illegal. But if it's going back and forth, okay, you got it. No problem. But there's the inconsistencies, as you mentioned, and that just completely degrades, I think, fans' enjoyment and their trust in the system. Yeah, I'm not going full-blown tinfoil hat conspiracy no, level that they want either. certain players to win games or whatnot. My, my issue is, as you said, 
the inconsistencies. If you're gonna if you're gonna call it tight and you're gonna call all the ticky tack calls, call it on both sides. Yeah. Don't but I, not call one ticky tack call here and then call it there. Be be consistent throughout the entire football game. Yes. But the Raiders now that was a big play to Jacoby Myers, but that's not why they lost. I don't no. care if it was the worst call in the history of mankind. <laughs> still not why they lost. Again, no. defense holds the Chargers scoreless. In the second half, this is guy, Justin Herbert, who was 40 of 47, almost 400 yards the week before. So your defense did what they could do to help keep you in the game. That's why you saw Max Crosby on the sideline dejected that that shot of him. And I know it was only briefly because he came out (laughs) and played an amazing game after that. But you saw his face. Incredible there. So the Raiders have, I think, to me, not. Yes, you need more talent on the field, Mo. But they got organizational issues. This is an organizational issue, which is how you started off the show talking about it. And as we then now move into talking about next week's game, of course, which is a Monday night game, uh, we'll get more into the matchup and what's happening with this roster over the next couple of days. But organizationally, there needs to be some conversations. There needs to be some level setting unless they already have it and we're just dumb to what's going on. They need to get better at all levels, and they need to, uh, I think, impart on the roster the urgency. Josh Jacobs, after the game, said, I'm effing tired of losing. Four (laughs) or five plays a game, and it changes the game. I'm just tired of every game having four or five plays where I have to say the same thing every time. He's tired of it. Devontae Adams is tired of it. The question is, is the coach, is he giving them the opportunity to improve? And if somebody's not, then don't play them. Look, you're one and three. Things are going downhill fast. I think the Raiders need to learn a lot about their coach and they need to learn a lot about some of those guys on the roster if they're the right people because you got to start making decisions. Even though we're a quarter through the season, you got to start thinking about the future here and it's coming really quick on you. It's sad to say, but I said this during the offseason. I think not that the Raiders didn't prioritize winning, but the way Mark Davis, some of his quotes preaching about patience and development, it seems like the Raiders felt like, okay, we're not a playoff contender this year, so we're just going to be focused on roster development anyway. Not that the wins don't matter, but if we don't win, we don't win as long as we get progress out of the young players that we have. And the problem is the young players that they have aren't being – we talked about it endlessly on this show. The young players that they have aren't being utilized. So you can't even check off the box of development because where's Trey Tucker been? Where's Michael Mayer been? That's, as I said, Nessa J. Severa, in my opinion, should have been on the field weeks ago. Finally got on the field against the Chargers. You know, so I don't, I don't know what to say, Scott, other than <laughs> if, we're, if we're saying the same things we said last year. Same exactly. You know, we have to figure out who's, who belongs. We have to figure out who, you know, who's going to you know, hold down the fort and, and play hard even when the chips are down. Like, we did all of that last year. We did all. We went through that song and dance last year. It has to be better this year, and it hasn't been. And as I said, it starts up top. It starts with Mark Davis. I'm not saying he has to go out there and throw his head coach or anyone under the bus, but he has to say, look, we are going to make changes if this doesn't get better right away. And he has not said that. No. And you you look at the situation and you just think, and I, and I feel worse for the fans, right? Because the fans are the ones who have to live through it. We cover it. We cover the rest of the league, too, in our roles um, besides the Raiders. So we see what other, other organizations doing. You talked about Houston. You see what's happening in Detroit. Um, you see other organizations, even like the Buccaneers, who 
lose the veteran quarterback, bring in a, a journeyman and Baker Mayfield, lots of questions, and and they're three and one. I mean, yes, they're in a bad division, but they've played some solid teams so far. Three and one. Okay. So something is different. Something is not happening in Las Vegas in that building to turn the culture, to turn the the attitude uh to to winning. And so um they're gonna have to make a decision. I, I don't know. I had Murph asked me last night, or excuse me, on Sunday night, if you know, at what point is Mark Davis gonna have enough? And I can't answer that question to your point, Mo, about the way they couch this season coming into it made it seem like, well, you know what, it's gonna be a rough season and we're just gonna deal with it. So I don't know where it gets. Is it losing the locker room? Is it he gets embarrassed when they're one and five or whatever they end up being. I don't know what, the, what happens do, uh, with Green do, Bay. Go ahead. Do we need to have another Rams Raiders 52-0 beatdown for Mark Davis to get his attention? Does it have to be that bad for the Ra- for Mark Davis to finally like put his foot down and show some fire, some urgency, like something's got to give? Like what yeah. has to happen? How many close losses do the Raiders have to go through for Mark Davis to go? And yeah, maybe I hired the wrong guys to do the job. Well, again, I'll bring it up, and I know people are going to make fun of me and say it's just because I don't like watching uh, the product, but it's WNBA playoff season again, Mo. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> Remember last year, he's kind of we talked about it on the show. He's kind of checked out, then he came back, and they had the locker room conversations. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I, it's his team, and he's certainly in charge. And And I can't believe he was there watching the game, as he does all of them. I cannot believe that he's happy with what's going on. Uh, and 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 if Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are, oh, don't worry, don't worry, we got it, then he's not looking at the full picture, and you have to look at the full picture here. All right. Well, there you go. Mo, it is now Tuesday. Let everybody know about what you got coming up with your Raiders Bleacher Report lives and what pieces they need to read from Mr. Moten. Bleacher Report live coming up Wednesday. We're going to spin it forward and talk Raiders Packers. Uh, talk about you know some of the things that are going on with the roster. Talk about what Josh McDaniels is not doing right, which is a very long list, by the way. And then on Sports Not, I'll leave that TBD. Uh, usually drop that piece Thursday, but you know I'll talk about it Thursday morning, whatever it is, because I like to do things at the spur of the moment. So, so you know, it might be some news during the week that I'll touch on, but we'll, we'll find out. We'll see. Absolutely, we will also be back here Thursday with a full show. I expect us to drop a silver and black blitz tomorrow on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that one as well. And we got some guests lined up for Thursday to talk about Packers. Of course, different week this week because we don't have a Sunday game. We have a Monday night game. And uh, but we'll get you prepared for that and get you run up to the Raiders versus the Packers. But we'll see what happens. All right, Mo. Well, hopefully we gave a little bit of therapy to Raider Nation out there. Um, I just like to see some progress and and we've been very objective on the show as always, but things do not look good as far as leadership goes. We'll see if the guys on the field, Devontae Adams, amazing leader and continues to step forward as is Josh Jacobs. So if you're a Raiders fan, the three guys, him, Jacobs, Max Crosby have to make you feel better. At least uh, you can wake up each day knowing that those guys are wearing the silver and black. All right, Mo, I will talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good. All right. Uh, for our producer, Mike Robier, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And we certainly appreciate your support as always. Take care, Raider Nation. And we will talk to you again on Thursday.